Shiny happy people, welcome to episode four. This week, it's all about the future of the workforce. And we've got a guest today, Dr. Vasanthi Srinivasan, joining us. I'll share a little bit about my perspectives and thoughts around what the workforce is going to look like. We've got our RWL segment. And instead of our quirky news, we're going to bring you something exciting around some interesting jobs that you might find out there. Future of the workforce. You know, if you're a working person today, it really is an interesting time. We've got to manage our anxiety as well as our energies, and it's hard to stay focused, right? We need to accept that our roles and value is changing as a working person. For the last 10, 15 years, a lot of the conversation has been around um, automation, how a lot of jobs are going to get automated out, etc., Technology enabled, everyone's talking about AI, analytics, cloud, uh, and uh, high digital touch jobs. And with that, a lot of the conversation has been around how uh, workforce skills have to change. And there's this going to be this huge war for talent, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and so many other topics. 2020 has added a whole bunch of new challenges to us. We've got massive business disruption. I think a lot of companies are changing their working models itself. There's new ways of working. It's funny how many jobs have just moved to work from home, that these jobs everyone used to say could never go to work from home and everyone's got comfortable with it. There's a lot of conversation around the gig economy and the whole contract workforce. Uh, Completely divergent trains of thought there. Some say it'll increase, some others say it'll decrease. And the reality is where you work is going to be a lot less important than the work that you do. And another reality that is true for many of us, there's a lot of roles that is now going to become a global talent supply chain. What do I mean by that? You're no longer going to be competing with resumes coming in for those roles from within the city or within a few near cities. They could be from across the country or across the world. You can hire from anywhere now because it might most likely end up being a work from home role. So really, the future of work is not going to become role based, but also going to become a lot more outcome based. So what does that mean for a working person today? Right. I mean, something for us to think about. It's actually a lot about perspective. Uh, This is a conversation I was having with a friend and neighbor. He's about uh, 59 years old and he is so happy that is close to retirement and doesn't have to worry about any of these things. Uh, Personally, I'm not anywhere close to retirement and a lot more milestones that need to be achieved for me. Okay, okay, now for a tangent, let's come back to this workforce for the future. The reality is this is the time for for us to add value. Yeah, I've been consuming a lot of news shows, articles, podcasts, and everyone's talking about skill development and how we need to invest in developing new skills. You know, during the lockdown, one of the very popular questions people were asking was, what's a new skill that you learned? What is something that you did, right? Uh, Absolutely, I think it's important for us to invest in developing new skills. We've got to learn something new. But we've also got to remember that learning has to be a source of fulfillment. It has got to be part of that uh, 
larger purpose that we are there for. In fact, I talked about it in my first podcast. The reality is you can learn whatever technical skills you want, but it's the human and behavioral skills that will matter moving forward. This is just my perspective. You know, in my opinion, a 27-year-old engineer and a 50-year-old engineer think the same way about engineering. It's the how of engineering that has changed, right? Whether it's materials, the designs, etc. Similarly, if you're in professions or jobs like marketing, you know, I don't know if you ever watched this TV series Mad Men, all about advertising and marketing industries in the uh, uh, in in the 50s and 60s, and um, really interesting there. Uh, again, m- the foundations and fundamentals of marketing haven't changed, but today the how has changed. Today, it's all about digital marketing, social media presence, and so many other things. So what does that mean? You've got to be agile in our mindset. We've got to be agile in our methods. This is going to be an era where work will be borderless and collaboration focused. All of us as professionals and leaders, we've got to stop building our empires, our turfs, our little kingdoms, and fight for, forget your corner office. You may not even have an office. You, it's, it's a work from home office today. So what was the point of fighting for that space? So it is something definitely for us to reflect. So let's go on to our next segment where we have our guest, Dr. Vasanthi Srinivasan joining us. And there's a couple of tips that um, we'll definitely get from her. Our guest for this week is Dr. Vasanthi Srinivasan, a professor at the Indian Institute of Management, Bangalore. So Dr. Vasanthi's got corporate experience before she joined IIM. And even in her work at IIM, she's been part of some really cool and interesting research projects around uh, generational cohorts in the workplace, mid-career men and women in technologies and the barriers to advancement for them, and also the whole future-ready leadership competencies area. So it's great to have her here with us, and uh, I'm sure she'll have some very interesting insights around what is the workforce for the future looking like. So Vasanthi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Vinay. And jumping right into the first question, I mean, we've heard the word unprecedented used quite often, and industries and sectors have been completely altered. So what is the workforce going to look like in the near to medium future from your perspective? Uh, So along with unprecedented, Vinay, is another word which I hear all the time, which is the new normal. I think at the outset, we have to recognize that there is no such thing like the new normal. There is only going to be intermittent normal. At least for another 12 to 18 months, it's best if we as leaders just looked at intermittent normals over the period of time. What does this mean? We have just seen the very first phase of work from home, uh, remote work, scaled back workplaces. All of this has meant that in somewhat as a kind of a knee jerk manner, we've had to reassign roles and tasks to individuals. And they have really been trying to manage to ensure that business as usual does not get disrupted. And because of that, what we see immediately is a sharp increase in productivity, efficiency, and most of us are really talking about great gains during this period. However, 
as this unfolds over the next three to six months, we are going to be able to see three things which are already visible. The first one is that the skills of the workforce will have to actually be realigned significantly. The second one, your non-performers are going to show up so easily that you will have to actually ask some fundamental questions on how are you going to manage them. The third one is that, uh, and this is for me the most interesting thing being uh, looking at people management is that who are the people who are actually coming out tops in the initial stages of uh, this phase are actually people who have been underestimated in the, by the organization and who do not have the organizational networks. And yeah. these are profound changes in terms of what's happening to the workforce. No, that's great. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, insight around uh, that. This that this challenge also gives an opportunity for some uh, employees to shine while being remote and being productive. You know, one of the other things is, you know, we talk about the white collar workforce, of course, but manufacturing industry has been hit really badly. So, what's the future of the blue collar workforce? I mean, what what is what can organizations do in these times, trying to be viable businesses? and also not create this huge unemployment and all the social challenges that go with it? I think um, there are three things that organizations can do. And I think for the blue collar workforce, there've been a lot of things that have been happening over the last three to five years. And the most important one has actually been automation, large scale automation. So already we are beginning to see, we were beginning to see even pre-COVID that uh, people with really Uh, who were semi-skilled or people with single skill were actually uh, more or less replaced by machines. So I think the first message for organizations is the need to actually move to multi-skilling of all blue-collar workers. The second piece that flows from there, and this comes out of the work that my PhD student did on automation, which is really that as some kind of jobs get replaced, a whole new set of skills, particularly related to data management, begin to arise because the machine is now spewing so much of data that has to be made sense of. I think it's here that organizations will have to re-examine their learning and development policy and actually look at what will it mean for someone who was basically an information provider to become an information processor to actually be able to help decision-making. And I think blue-collar workers are probably most adept in being able to do that because they understand the machines better than anybody else. But last but not the least, I think this 100 years of how manufacturing has been organizing itself, I think the very structure and edifice of manufacturing is likely to undergo substantial shift and therefore this blue collar brown collar white collar whatever worker category you had actually that's going to somewhat become more amorphous than what it has been in the past okay yeah that's really interesting and and you mentioned the term multi-skilling which uh, and and how about you know people have to go and it's becoming more amorphous so what what would you suggest are some of the skill areas that are going to become critical in the future what hard and soft skills are going to be more essential moving forward. Yeah, 
I think uh, the one thing that um, uh, is going to become important for all of us is uh, fluency with technology. And somehow uh, in this uh, world where we keep talking about digital, digital, I think we forget to understand what is the kind of digital skill that is needed. In my mind, there will be fluency, digital fluency, then there is digital proficiency. Okay? And it is this distinction between digital fluency and digital proficiency that's going to determine who's going to be successful. I mean, let me give you a very simple example. I mean, who would have thought that a person like me, a professor, would actually need to be so fluent on uh, Zoom? Right. Yeah. So it's not enough for me to know how to manage Zoom, but I should be able to do polls on Zoom if I have to keep my class engaged. Now, to my mind, this is the dif dis difference between digital fluency to digital proficiency, and that's coming in every walk of life. The second one in terms of skills, which was we already saw when uh, we were looking at the uh, fourth industrial revolution five years ago, we were able to see so clearly is that how will we manage machine human interface? Because jobs for the future are going to be high tech with high touch. Right. So this high tech or high touch is gone. It's High tech with high touch. So what's the combination of the high touch? That's something that we need to figure out. The third one as skills that will be required, I think for the last 50 years, we've just focused on analytical skills. I think what the future, particularly with the kind of uncertainty that we are going to see over the next 12 to 18 months, it is going to actually require you to do synthesis. You're never going to have perfect information. Uncertainty is going to persist. There are new opportunities out there that you may have never tried in your past. There are going to be opportunities to experiment, but come along with it will come huge failures. So this ability to synthesize is something that we need to cultivate. And the irony is that synthesis cannot be taught. Analysis can. So in some ways, the way you learn some of these are themselves going to change. New media literacy is going to be another one that's going to kind of pose challenges for leaders. So as you can see, there is a broad spectrum of soft and hard skills that we will need as we look into the future. So, so it does. Thank you for that. It does look like learning agility is going to become so critical moving forward, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things that uh, we have in, in the podcast, we have a section called RWL, which is recommendations on things to read, watch, or listen. Would you have anything that you want to recommend to our listeners, either a book or a movie, documentary, or something to listen to that will help them become more positive and get them through and understanding what the workforce is going to look like? Yeah. I think over the last uh, few years, I've... Uh, uh, just been looking at how my bookshelf is changing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, uh, sometimes when I just sit back and look at it, I have two sets of books, really. And one is about, everything is about the brain. Or I have books which are about the future of automation. Uh, what is it actually going to take when you look at the uh, future of professions? 
a large part of them which are really about the changing work, worker and workplace. Largely through globalization, through technology and those dimensions. But at the same time, my bookshelf today has more books on mindfulness, has a larger collection which is about compassion, generosity, ethics. And I think the beauty of the age that we live in today is how do you marry these two? Mindfulness, when you're actually looking at how machine, you know, people talk of machine language and human machine interface. And along with that, I'm saying, where is mindfulness? So I, I think, um, I don't want to recommend a book, okay. but I think what would be useful is actually to look at a spectrum of books, all of which are really trying to understand the human dimension to the changes that are happening around you. And those books could actually come from behavioral economics or they could actually come from uh, politics, but they do really give you a deep insight into uh, the challenge in terms of an uncertain future. Yeah, that, that's a great uh, point, especially around learning agility, learn from everywhere. Yeah. Excellent. So thank you, Dr. Vasanthi, for joining us on this podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you and we hope to see you back in another podcast sometime soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, instead of our weird, quirky news segment for this episode, we thought we'll try something different since it is about the future of the workforce. Um, our team thought we'll bring you the top 10 weirdest jobs out there that exist. So let me start with, um, at 10, a professional sleeper. It's a hotel in Finland that hired a member of staff as a professional sleeper to test the comfort of their beds. And the individual sleeps in a different bed each night and records and writes a review about her satisfaction with each one. Now that's a job that you want. At number nine is a dry paint watcher. Not a joke, folks. Somebody actually earns a living watching paint dry. A man in the UK currently has the job and he spends his days painting sheets of cardboard to test how long new paint mixes take to dry and watching for changes in color and texture. So some of the paint companies, I don't know if you have these roles, but uh, I have a couple of friends who could use this job. At number eight is the job of being a full-time Netflix viewers. For all of you who watch Netflix, there's actually somebody who watches every single show and every single episode and their role is to review and assign each program its current tag so that you and I, the subscribers, can find exactly what we are after. And at number seven is an electric shock giver. Okay, if you're wondering what that is, they're called toques, I think I'm saying it right, as they're called in Mexico. They're dudes who carry a small wooden box that meets out electric shocks. So it's great for pub goers who undergo this torture to sober down and others who believe it gives them a new high. There's a job that you really want. At number six is a face feeler. Okay, face feelers are hired by big skincare companies 
who feel the face of people and see if there's any significantly noticeable difference in their skin before and using and after using a specific product. What a job. What an interesting job. At number five is a whiskey ambassador. Now, you might already know what's the job of a whiskey ambassador. If you think your liver has got what it takes to be a whiskey ambassador, then this is the best job in the world. At number four is the role of chicken sexer. A chicken sexer's job is to identify the gender of a baby chicken. That's it. That's all there is to that job. At number three is a fortune cookie writer. I'm sure many of you have come across fortune cookies in restaurants. Do you know that there's actually someone out on the street who's writing fortunes and cookies for you? It's a weird but a great job of putting a smile on everyone's face. At number two is a job that's associated with an underwater hotel in Florida, which is pretty bizarre by itself. But they actually have a scuba diving pizza delivery man who supplies their guests with pizzas by carrying them through the sea in a watertight case. Now that is service. And at number one, a potential job for some of us is to be a decoy executive. In certain parts of the world, acting as a fake businessman or executive is an actual job. There are plenty of stories in which men are paid thousands to pose for acts of corporate theater. It's bizarre, but if you can fit the role, it can pay well. I actually know somebody who did that and got $500 for an hour's work a few years ago. So there's plenty of jobs out there for you. And uh, don't stick with the traditional jobs. Here's some fun 10 jobs for you to start thinking about. Our RWL segment for this week is pretty simple. It's all about the L. Listen. So a couple of podcasts that I want to recommend, especially around the future of the workforce. So one is, in fact, both are from Harvard Business School. One is actually called The Future Workforce. It's a really cool one. And the other one is The Future of Work. So both really talk a little bit about some of the emerging trends and what some of the thinkers and uh, people, practitioners are saying about what work is going to look like. So hopefully you'll find something to listen on your walks. And you'll learn from that as much as I'm learning from those podcasts as well. So that's it for episode four. It's a wrap. An interesting episode this week. Stay tuned for next week. It's all about staying positive and being motivated. And our guest for next week is someone from the entertainment industry. Don't forget to send us your feedback on podcast at c2cod.com. All your suggestions are welcome. See you next week, people. Thank you for listening to the Shiny Happy People podcast. Subscribe to us. We are available on your favorite podcast platforms. This podcast is brought to you by C2COD, your organizational development consulting partner, bringing strategy and people together. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram using the handle at C2COD 
and get updates on our upcoming episodes. Oh, 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 o